Podcast Network Asia. It's really hard to explain that I can't just do something. It's just my brain cannot do it. It can sound as you're just not prioritizing enough or you're just lazy or you're just disorganized. But ADHD paralysis, it's a real thing. <laughs> it's so inconvenient and we can work with it. It's just going to be more exhausting for people who are not neurotypical. So just keep that in mind whenever you're dealing with anyone. People really are going through their own struggles. People struggle with their own demons and you may not see it, but it's there. Welcome to Sage Conversations, where we believe everyone has an innate light and power to heal. I'm Rowana. I'm Mara. And I'm Michiko. We have a combined background in wellness coaching, energy healing, movement, and sustainability, which we bring in to explore holistic, spiritual, and personal growth journeys with experts, amateurs, and friends. We hope these stories inspire you to foster your inner light and live your best life. Welcome to another episode of Sage Conversations. In this episode, we are joined by Ivy Pangadinan, who is a multifaceted creative and ever-evolving artist. In this episode, we're going to talk about her mental health or neurodivergent journey, mm-hmm. struggling with anxiety and depression to finally getting diagnosed and treated for her ADHD, how that process was and how it helped her finally find her peace. And just before we went live, we were talking to Ivy backstage and she shared with us that it's the first time she's actually talking about this live in public, but now she's finally ready to share her story. And so Mara and I are so honored to welcome to our show, Ivy Pangilinan. Hi. Yay. Hi, Ivy. Thanks for having me. I'm super honored to be here and to be talking to you guys. Yeah, and you know, thank you for saying yes. You know, I've been following your journey for quite a while, and actually, it was when you started posting about it on social media that I started to become curious mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, I saw more and more people in my feed sharing that they're also neurodivergent and also um, diagnosed with ADHD, and it got me curious because. You know, we always have this perception or depiction of what ADHD Uh looks like. And yet, I've known you for quite a while. I've hung out with you and it didn't seem like it. That's the Uh thing. You know, I feel like tonight will be a great learning experience, not just for me and Ro, but for a lot of people. Just so we can also better communicate with each other, you know, in a better, kinder and more understanding way. Uh So... Again, I can never thank you enough for saying yes to this. Thank you. Thank you, Mara. Like, yeah, I, I told you guys earlier, I got really nervous actually because I haven't really talked about it like in public. Um, I've talked about it with some friends, like close friends, but it's something that I'm still in the middle of processing even. Although I'm, I would say I'm pretty much out of the woods now. I, I was kind of in a dark tunnel for a while. <laughs> But then when it started getting better, that's when I was able to process it more. And I feel like this is like the right next step to that whole processing journey. 
And the timing is perfect. Like if you had asked me maybe a couple months ago, or even like a month ago, I really wouldn't have been ready. But now, yeah, maybe it's time. And what you said earlier, parang there are more and more people who are realizing this about themselves. You know, there's actually a lot to unpack from what you said earlier. I do agree like that it's coming more to light, this whole neurodivergence thing, or even like yes. attention to our mental health because of this whole pandemic. So that's like one of the main reasons why I said yes to this, because I think it would be a huge help for people who are struggling with the same thing. If like I was just thinking about my experience before when I was like in that bad place, you know, if I had encountered more people who were talking about their own struggles or their own stories, I wouldn't have felt so alone. And that's like a huge thing in, I think, getting out of a space like that, knowing that you're not in it alone, you know, that that other people understand. So yeah, that's why I'm here. (laughs) Thank you so much for showing up. I'm so glad that at least our podcast is able to offer you a space that could be a stepping stone in your healing journey. And at the same time, offer that resonance with a lot of people who are going through the same as or as you have. So thank you. Thank you so much for that courage. But where do we begin? You consider yourself a neurodivergent. For a lot of people who, for the first time, are encountering that term or who don't understand like what that is, could you explain to us what neurodivergence is uh-huh. and how you resonate with that being one yourself? Uh-huh. Okay. Before I share my understanding of it, I just want to say I'm not an expert at all. <laughs> like Everything I've learned is... You know, things that I've researched, like I really have jumped into this black hole as I was trying to understand like what was happening to me. But basically, like how I understand it, neurodivergence is just a different kind of wiring in your brain. So in the context of ADHD, that's what I have. My doctor is a little bit on the conservative side. So basically, I know I have it and, and she knows I have it. It's just not on paper yet. So in the context of ADHD, your brain is wired differently. It's similar to like learning development disorders, you know, where, yeah, it's just differently wired than the normal Mm -hmm. kind. So most people will have neurotypical brains and we live in a neurotypical society. For people who have a different kind of wiring, it's a little bit harder to kind of integrate into society. It's not impossible. There are struggles. And other kinds of like uh, different ways you can be neurodivergent is if you have autism, if you have uh, like if you're dyslexic, being dyslexic is a being neurodivergent. What else? I mean, I I don't know the other ones, but most learning development uh, disorders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Maybe can we go back then to when it first started? Like when did you start having that inkling that you might be neurodivergent. As long as I can remember, since I was a kid, I've always felt oh. I've always felt like an alien. I don't know. I've always felt so different. So I first came to understand neurodivergence actually just this year. I first encountered that word just this year. So so maybe that's where I'll start. Because, you know, I kind of fell into a depression. Yeah, late last year, early this year. And it was from different reasons, like a huge part of which was burnout. 
burnout from everything like work and the pandemic. When that happened, that's you know when I started seeking help from like doctors and also doing my own research, just trying to understand what was going on. And it was through yeah. that searching, you know, I joined a lot of Facebook groups actually, and also started watching a lot of YouTube channels because I tend to do that. I tend to like jump into rabbit holes and hyper focus, which is such an ADHD thing. Can I just say like ah. it's called hyper focus? Like you don't do anything else. You forget yeah. everything else. And then you jump from one hyper focus to the next. And now I'm rambling, which is such an ADHD thing. So sorry, I'm super rambling. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're talking about yeah. your yeah. right? Because it's not calling it a disability, just, just calling different. it different. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is just different. It's just harder to live with it in this kind of society, you know, when you kind of fall into the conditioning of like what society expects from you like like your work has to look a certain way your um, life has to look a certain way your lifestyle again it needs to conform to this otherwise uh you're not accepted you're you're not worthy you're less than and if you fall into that then that's when it becomes hard and i was really deep into that you know and that's what led to the burnout but ever since i was young in school, in, you know, as I got older, it's always been there, like the difficulty to keep up, to kind of, mm. there's so many things, there's so many things, feeling different, feeling like you don't fit in. But then in school, when you're studying, my external structure, right? So you just have to follow this. And as long as you're like following the structure. Yeah. Yeah. Like best. you're good. Yeah. But I was already having problems back then, you know. I always struggled mm-hmm. with, like, being on time, finishing things on time, always feeling so scattered, thinking that I'm just lazy, thinking that I'm just disorganized or slow or all of these things. But then you get into the real world, and then you have to get a job, and then you have to follow yeah. the 9 to 5 thing, and, like, you have to hustle yeah. and and it becomes harder and harder and harder and harder and if you're not aware of how you are wired if you're not aware of the the differences how you are different if you're not aware of your, like, your strengths and weaknesses then then you'll just go along with that and and be exhausted because yeah. you're trying yeah, to it's, it's, when you're not. yeah it's definitely overwhelming is that how you were able to cope because it's something that you've lived with for almost your whole life, right? But when you were in school, you mentioned that the structure really helped. But then once you got out into the real world, into the workforce, without the structure of of being in school, being aware of your strengths and your weaknesses, was that what allowed you to cope with it? Honestly, looking back now, like what you said, it was knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at. And thankfully... I come from a creative family. So the path that I chose, it was pretty accepted. Because I, I started out doing 9 to 5 jobs for mm-hmm. like a few years. But then after that, like I, I knew I wanted to like go off on my own. Like It was really the, the daily thing that I couldn't do. But every day, the same thing, the routine. That's like, I really could not do that. So when I... Um, eventually decided to go freelance. I felt, okay, this is, this is right for me. 
But I didn't know that that whole time, you know, like all of these decisions that I've made, it was because of this thing that it was just because of a different kind of wiring. So like that helped a lot na parang I was able to to go freelance. I think that's when I thrived most. And, you know, they say that ADHD is a superpower, blah, blah, blah. Because it can be, you know, because I think if you have ADHD, you just see so many possibilities because you're able to connect things. Like, that's my brain. It just goes so fast. I really have a hard time speaking, like sharing my thoughts. Writing, I have such a hard time with writing because my brain Mm. works faster than my hands, you know? Or even speaking, like, like right now, in this moment, I'm having like a million thoughts at once. And but I can only say so many words. <laughs> That's why I like lose track of the things I say. Anyway, so I was able to, I think, cope because unconsciously, I guess, I was able to parang bring myself to a kind of lifestyle that was actually well-suited for someone with, with age. Mm-hmm. Unconsciously. I think, I guess I was like hustling too much or like I was trying to keep up yeah. so hard, you know. So it really wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. I can I can like work in bursts. Like when I was in college, um, I would always tell my parents, I work in bursts. I can't work constantly, like at a steady pace. But when I'm in that like burst mode, I can go like 100%. But then after that, like zero, exactly. like really out. And I yeah. thought, for a long time, if I can just change that, then I can be more successful. Then I can like yeah. more sustainable business. I just need to have more discipline. I just need to have more perseverance. Mm. You know, I was shaming myself because I was thinking, you know, you can't just stick to a routine. Yeah, it was getting bad. Like I had so much shame, and I thought, oh, I can never be successful. There, I can never be. I can never make it because I don't have what it takes. Blah blah blah. But now that I became aware of like how I'm wired, then you know, yeah, I really started feeling better when I got the diagnosis. I understood what was going on with me, like, and I, I, I was able to like stop hating myself. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. I hope you're all doing well today. My name is Kara and just dropping by to let you know that I too have my own podcast. It's called After 30 with Kara Erigel. I talk about love, fear, relationships, career, sex, food, money, books, and how life is so much different and oddly the same after 30. So when you're done listening to this episode, go ahead and check out mine. Again, it's After 30 with Kara Erigel, available wherever you get your podcasts. See you there. You mentioned that you're the type of person who works in bursts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That's how you work. But when you were trying to change that, is that when you spiraled into having those feelings of shame and hatred towards, you know, doubting yourself? Was that it? Yeah, for sure. You know, in this world, 
I don't know. I felt like I had so much to prove when I ventured on my own. When I when I decided to be self-employed, I felt like I needed to prove that I can do this, that I can sustain myself, yeah, and be successful. Yeah, if I don't conform to, if I don't have a nine-to-five society. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you guys can relate. To that. <laughs> and I was trying to define happiness based on what was socially accepted. Yeah, and that was so exhausting. So I'm really like just trying to yeah. find what peace looks like for me. that peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, not just peace, but finally also coming to recognize what kindness really means. You know, treating yourself in a much better way, treating yourself for like who you actually are and not treating yourself in the way that like what you want to be. Sometimes like we give ourselves that kind of care, that kind of understanding towards that version that isn't us yet or that version that isn't completely us, but mm-hmm. simply a projection of who we are. So, so now I'm curious because I do want to know about ADHD. So I was reading up about it also because like I went down the rabbit hole because all of a sudden like I have other friends, like not just from here in the Philippines, but like other friends from different countries suddenly talking about it. And I was like, wait, but I've talked to you before. And again, I always thought like ADHD was not being able to focus. Like you're just physically all over the place. And even as a kid, like you're super hyper and all of that. But apparently, it's more than that. I didn't think that it was like hyper focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do you manage that now? And if by now you've noticed any patterns in terms of how you can work, like can how work. you shift from what, yeah, 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 like how you shift from one hyper focus to another? Because I feel like finding that pattern, finding that trend, kind of like helps you manage it as well, right? Yeah, so, for sure. You're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's like you really need to identify. First, you need to get to know yourself, how you work, and then identify your patterns exactly and work with that. But yeah, so ADHD, there are so many misconceptions about it, mainly because apparently, you know, everything that is written about ADHD in this written thing where the symptoms for, for like mental health disorders are all categorized. So it's like an official kind of document. So everything that's written about ADHD in this publication is like all the studies that were done were based on little white boys american boys but adhd shows up very 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 differently in women and it shows up very differently in adults so if you're if you're diagnosed as an adult it's kind of difficult about it in mainstream media it's so much more nuanced than that and I'm thinking if I should go into it, but it might take too long. But basically, uh, there can be three different presentations of ADHD. One is the hyper, the one that we're all familiar with, the hyper. And then another one is inattentive. And then the third one is a mix of both. So I mostly present as inattentive, which is the kind of ADHD person who spaces out a lot. It's actually more common in women. So women have a harder time getting diagnosed in because they don't present with the known symptoms for ADHD. I guess I'm a classic case because like, I was diagnosed as an adult and I'm female. So it shows up in so many different ways. 
how have I coped? Number one, I got on meds. So I fell into that depression and that's when I kind of started talking to doctors and learning more about this. And then eventually I got the unofficial diagnosis and then I was put on meds. And I was also seeing a therapist. So he was helping me with things that can't be addressed by medication because medication can only do so much. But you also need to build habits to work with it because ADHD can be debilitating if you're not aware of it and if you don't have the right habits to work with it. But if you have the right habits, it can be managed. Like, for example, I'm really, really making it a point to write everything down. Everything I think of, I need to put it on Evernote, which is like an extension of my brain. It's because your brain works so fast. And that's why you can come across as just spacing out. You're unable to like express the things you're thinking about. You're like caught up in your imagination, <laughs> which is so me. And I need to be documenting every thought, every single thought I have, I put it down if I don't want to forget it. Another thing that I've been doing with regards to you know, hyperfocus, with hyperfocus, you get into these trances. You just fall into these black holes. You're unable to get out because you're so, I don't know. I don't know how I, it's my brain. So I have to like set alarms for every 30 minutes, every 15 minutes, just to kind of like wake me up from the spiral, make me realize, oh, I need to pee or, oh, I need to like eat or something. So you can imagine how difficult it could be if you have to follow a schedule, for example, if you have a job that you need to show up for within like a certain amount of time. It's really, really difficult. It's like, you need to work with your brain. It's really hard to explain that I can't just do something. For example, I have a deadline. I know I need to submit something by this time. But it's just my brain cannot do it. And that's so hard to explain to people because it can sound as, you know, you're just not prioritizing enough or you're just lazy or you're just disorganized or all of these things that I tell myself then. But ADHD paralysis, it's a real thing. <laughs> it's like so inconvenient. It's a real thing. And, uh, you know, we can work with it. We can kind of like power through it. It's just going to be more exhausting for people who are not neurotypical about kindness. It's so true. Like it's so, 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 so important to just keep that in mind whenever you're dealing with anyone, you know. People really are going through their own struggles. And empathy is so crucial, especially now, you know. Mm, people struggle with their own demons and you may not see it, but it's there. So, yeah. Are there concrete ways by which you prefer people to behave towards you? Like, for example, in a work environment. I know you're not doing a nine to five, which is great. You're freelancing, but I'm sure you work with clients. In what way do you wish people would show that empathy towards you if they knew that you have ADHD? And, and how about for those who don't know? Because I'm sure a lot of people out there probably listening with ADHD are experiencing, you know, having to work with different kinds of people. And also for someone who's not neurodivergent, how can we show more empathy towards a neurodivergent brothers and sisters? 
my gosh this is honestly something i still struggle with when it comes to work i think that's one area of my life i'm still most unforgiving of myself because you know i don't want to make that an excuse like i still want to get the work done and hmm, you know my therapist told me there are always these two parts of you there's this kid and then there's an adult and you know the kid will be that part of me that will want to make this an excuse that will want to say oh i can't do this because you know i'm unable to blah 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 and then that adult will be that part of me that will be so hard on this kid no you need to power through and no matter what it takes even at the cost of your own mental health you have to do this or else blah, blah, blah. but then in the middle of that is this space where you can kind of balance the two where you can just show up with the imperfections even if it's not perfect if you promise to do something then be there for that but forgive yourself if you can't do it at 100 percent. so i'm trying to be in that space it's not easy but i as far as like letting people know i'm i'm not comfortable doing that yet with like people i work with i don't know i i don't have the language for it yet but all i can mm-hmm. imagine is how i feel about it towards myself and that's right one way i do it i guess the best thing that we can do is just really talk about it in spaces like this i think you just be and lending your voice representing those who have adhd can let more people know what it's like Mm -hmm. because sometimes empathy is so abstract but when we're in that moment where a situation with a coworker or a friend or a family member really calls for a specific kind of empathy sometimes the lack of awareness makes us miss the mark on how to show that empathy mm-hmm. but just becoming more aware of what neurodivergent people go through mm-hmm. then we could possibly even spot that without the person even admitting because yeah with you admitting you don't want to use it as an excuse mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. people have to understand that people are wired differently. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And yeah. so we shouldn't hold the same expectations with all our clients, all our friends, all our family members, and having an awareness that neurodivergent people exist and what you're going through are so real and a lot of people are going through it that we can be more specific with how we show our empathy towards yeah. each other. Yeah, definitely. Like that deeper understanding of everyone. And like, imagine also just being wired differently and and then society also changing. Like with all these systems being questioned, being challenged, and then just when you're about to get used to the way things are, at least outside of you, things change again. So you're just like, what do I even focus on right now and how when I'm just actually starting to cope in this part? So talking about it, at least again, like what Rose said also, you know, it gives more space for understanding Mm -hmm. also a lesson in letting people become more mindful and more aware of how they talk to others. Because again, we never know what people are going through. You know, sometimes what we feel, you know, what we've defined as, let's say, like what you said, oh, I've always felt different. Like, let's say someone, you know, if you just call someone weird or strange and, you know, just 
you know, that's actually like, what if there's already something going on there? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And yeah. then for us, it's just like trivialized in a way. Like it just becomes a trait mm-hmm. when it's so much more than that. Like mm-hmm. it's actually like literally your brain, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, bringing more awareness into it. Yeah, because we might have good intentions, but if our awareness in this area is quite limited, then we could still end up offending. Yeah, the person. That's why it's so it's important, right? talaga, to like you guys said to acknowledge the differences in every person and that's what makes mm-hmm. an interesting world isn't it to have all of these different people and with different perspectives and come together honoring all the different personalities that exist yeah. in this world i think yeah. that's a beautiful thing and that's what i love about the term neurodivergence because for the longest time anyone with a developmental challenge or problem they were all tagged as having like a mental disability, developmental disability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Like that was the clinical term or even the common term. Even if you're not clinically diagnosed, sometimes people just tag you as having a mental disability mm-hmm. or a developmental disability. Mm-hmm, yeah. And mm-hmm. and how does that make that person feel? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's been the practice for decades and it's only i think in the 90s that neurodivergence was finally used yeah because then it's not calling it a disability but calling it different. something that's different because it's just a different kind of wiring yeah, yeah, yeah. so that creates more space for empathy the empathy that we're talking about because how can you show empathy when your judgment is through that lens of seeing it as a disability mm-hmm. But if you just need us something different, then, then we can treat each other with more kindness and empathy. And that's what I love about neurodivergence, really. But not to say that calling something a disability is all bad, because that's also when a lot of people get access to sure. special needs care yeah. and the proper yeah. treatment yeah, yeah, yeah. and the kind of support that they need. But knowing when to use these terms yeah. are super beneficial to help neurodivergent and those with mental and developmental disabilities yeah i was gonna say like sometimes acknowledging that it is a disability can be validating because it is a struggle you know there are struggles we go through that people with neurotypical brains might not so when you say that it's a a disorder you can try to not be limited by that but still it's a long process and you know you're not always going to get there right away so for the people who aren't there yet, who aren't empowered yet by their uh, the different way in which they're wired. That's totally understandable. It was really hard to accept. And for the longest time, like I just wish I could be normal. I remember as a kid, like, why can't I be normal? Like, I couldn't really articulate it. I didn't have the words for it. But I remember I would always think, why am I so weird? Why can't I just be normal like everyone else? That's really what I was thinking there's with the knowledge comes the acceptance so i think that's the first step hi this is sanaya and i'm a well-being junkie it's true i admit it i love everything to do with mind body and energy and i'm constantly on a journey of learning exploration and self-discovery so i created a podcast to talk to experts, influencers, and thought leaders to be inspired by new ideas. So join me on the Project Loving Myself podcast.
because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. You are loved. With acceptance now comes change. And at least now the way you see change becomes less pressuring on you because you now know what you're working with. Mm -hmm. Like the change now feels more natural. The change feels kinder and it doesn't feel enforced on you. That rewiring also of what you explained earlier about, you know, that adult side and the and the kid, you know, like them seeing each other for who they are mm -hmm. and where they are right now. And then now because of that, that space that you're navigating in between that child and that adult becomes a place of curiosity now. Like it becomes kind of like a playground, right? And, you know, you can bring a lot of things in and then know which side of you to tap. Going back also, like when Rose said, like, oh, of course, it's not an excuse, but it's still a reason, you know, it's a reason. And it's hard when it becomes a crutch. And gets that, you know, if yeah, you use it I, as a crutch to like justify everything and like how you deal with other people. But again, sometimes you need to allow yourself to react a certain way. You know, it has to be out there for you to know that, oh, okay, I acted that way. There must be something up, you know. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we also have to let things naturally happen. So mm -hmm. Miel right here is joining us and she asked, what are some unique habits you developed once you've understood how unique you were? And then how did it make life easier or more enjoyable? <laughs> Wait, maybe I wrote some stuff down. You mentioned a few already, like writing down your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And what yeah. I love is that you set alarms because you're a type of ADHD person who hyper-focuses, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. So setting yeah. alarms is a great practical tool that can be shared with a lot. Yeah. So those are two already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, acknowledging the ups and downs of my energy for work, acknowledging that and writing it is a huge thing. Like, like, listening to my body and my brain you know i can't force myself i mean i can <laughs> again but i'm gonna be depleted and i guess you know if there's like something that i really need to do then i can do that but if i want something to be sustainable like my work to be sustainable riding those ups and downs is such a, an important skill to learn like learning how to rest speaking of riding i saw that you also have like like on social media you have a page dedicated to your bike adventures oh, yeah. and i saw like last year also like you were very active That's yeah so i'm pretty sure like biking has helped you a lot like how did you get into it like i said it's my latest hyperfixation um i feel like the people who have known me for a long time know that i get into these phases there was a time diving was my thing and then i got into like uh, you know, hiking and then swimming and then and then I when I go into these hyperfixations, these hobbies, I go into the extreme with with diving. Like like I moved to Cebu to dive, you know, and then with swimming, you know, I joined these open water races, like long distance swimming, you know, and, and then like now with biking, you know, I, I want to ride around the country, you know. So so it goes into extremes, and I've always been drawn to like sports like that. Apparently, they found out that's an ADHD thing. Being drawn to 
risk, like risky things. I thought I was just careless and reckless, but apparently I need that adrenaline. So when you have ADHD, your dopamine levels are not the same as someone who does not have ADHD. So you're constantly looking for things to fill that dopamine supply, you know? So it comes in the form of excitement. It comes in the form of thrill. So all of these things, the hobbies that I get into that may seem risky, they feel normal. They just fill my dopamine supply in a normal way, the same way that other people, you know, would have their supply. That's why I like doing stuff like that. But biking now, it's been like my lifesaver in this whole pandemic. It's kept me sane and it's, you know, allowed me to, to still see people, still see friends and have that sense of community in this time now we feel so isolated from everyone and it keeps you physically active but also mentally sane and you know like it helps to free up the city from traffic yeah there's so many benefits to biking i i I am such an advocate this past year has been a huge leap for you it sounds like after that period late last year you started seeking help and you started learning more about ADHD and being a neurodivergent. And you said that this process has led you to finding your peace. How do you feel today being a neurodivergent and someone with ADHD? Like, what does that peace look like to you or feel like to you? It's listening to my own instincts, you know, like just just really tuning in to my own beliefs and, and to not giving in to what I feel like I should be doing because I don't know like it's when I go against that intuition that I feel off you know that that I feel like okay something's wrong something's wrong and I can't pinpoint what it is but I say I didn't listen to myself you know I always have had that sense of that just that inner knowing of like how what I should be doing, what success looks like for me and it doesn't have to look the same as everyone else's so I don't have like grand dreams of success or anything, to be honest, in the traditional sense, you know? Now I'm like accepting that. Like, actually, I just want to have fun in this life. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to like, you know, a successful person or I don't need to, you know, you know what I mean? I think when I was going against that, that's when I was starting to feel like, shit, <laughs> I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it really just sounds like more acceptance. Yeah. You said it yourself. Mm -mm. And not going against your intuition. I think the more that you accept your neurodivergence, the more you can just ride your intuition and not go against it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. And that, you know, that's like, that looks different than for everyone, you know, like, like, you know, also understanding this about myself and accepting this about myself, I'm able to accept others. Because before, I used to have these these strong values, you know, you shouldn't be working a nine-to-five, you shouldn't be, like, uh, um, sacrificing yourself, you should be enjoying life, blah, blah, blah. But actually, some people actually like working. Some people actually find fulfillment in that, and they like grinding. They like, like, that is success to them. And understanding how I define success helps me accept others who have a different idea of it and not alienate myself, you know. I'm able to integrate more now with more peace of mind, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, it does. So I'm just reading out like comments from Kumu. And yeah, and then what you said, Ivy, about, you know, just wanting to be happy, just wanting to have fun. That's something that like here with Mel really resonates with. And then she also says that it's an underrated dream to just be happy because people treat life like a competition. <laughs> so, so it's not, that's true. Yeah, there's just a oh lot of stimuli. I was just going to say, like, what a beautiful journey thus far. I, I mean, you've had a lot of ups and downs, of course. That's part of life. It's part of our journeys. But then all throughout, it's just, it's allowed you to come to this space where you're embracing more of yourself, all of the imperfections, and it's allowed you to just anchor on that dream just to be happy. Yeah. And it's just so nice to see, so nice to witness. And all throughout, you know, you getting here, it seems like you've also had a lot of support coming from a family of artists allowed you to explore your art and your creativity. And just in this past hour on this live stream, your friends, my <laughs> brother and Yell have been so supportive on Facebook and Kumu. So there's so much love here. And yeah, I think like every step that you have taken up until this point has been like an act of just bravery, courage and and growth. You know, just you showing up here, you know, yeah. being who you are. Like yeah. that's such a big, big thing. And you know, listening to you, like there's so much like there's so much to learn from you and oh, um you. and you know now there's more awareness with you know how i deal with people or how we yeah. deal with people so yeah like yeah. this is i really really appreciate this thank you thank you thank um you. aside from like the support that you are getting there's also so much admiration for you so oh, thank you yeah. guys i really really appreciate it but yeah with the whole acceptance thing i, I would tell my friends that um, when i started accepting all the ways that i'm fucked up <laughs> because there are many ways that i'm that i'm fucked up and that's when i started feeling better like when I just stopped trying to be so perfect, and uh, yeah, but um, that's when I kind of felt like, oh, okay, I can breathe. Oh, I love. And it's a, it's an important message, yeah. definitely. Like the more we show our, our vulnerabilities, the more we talk mm -hmm. about them, especially in a public space like this, mm -hmm. where it could reach a lot of people, can set an example for us to yeah. not be so pressured to be perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we're all imperfect yeah. people. So true. But sharing more of these stories really allow us to just be more real and feel less pressure. And just being ourselves. Yeah. It allows yeah. us to be more authentic and just be accepting of who we really are and share yeah. that with the world. So thank you so yeah. much for being that example for us today in this yeah. episode. I just wanted to say in the beginning as well, like you hope that this could be a stepping stone for you on your healing journey. And I really hope that it served that purpose and you could continue on to share that beautiful story with the rest of the world. Yeah. Thank you. I really hope someone... Is going through something similar and they hear this that they they know that they're not alone and that there's nothing wrong with them and being different is not a bad thing it's definitely not not at all <laughs> but for those who are listening who might want to reach out to you for support do you keep your lines open or are there resources that you can refer them to that you would like to share with our audiences i yeah if they if they want to um message me on my Instagram, I would be more than happy to 
share stuff about ADHD, if they have questions. One of my favorite resources, though, is this YouTube channel called How to ADHD. I think it's like the top ADHD channel. So if they look up ADHD on YouTube, it's like such, it's been such a huge help. And, but then, you know, it's also they need to talk to professional. There are resources for that too. Yeah, they can message me and I can refer the clinic that I go to. They really, I think, saved my life. Mm-hmm. They can just message me. Okay. Awesome. What's your handle? What's your Instagram handle? Ivy Pang. Like where can people? Ivy Pang. Ivy Pang. Yeah, you can also okay, follow so my bike Ivy. account. My bike account, Ivy Cicleta. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and we'll, we'll be sure to post that on our podcast notes as well for anyone yeah. who might have missed that. It's Ivy Pangs, and it will be written in our description. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Sage Conversations. If you found some value from our content, share your thoughts with us on Instagram and Facebook and tag us at Sage Conversations Podcast. Please subscribe and share this podcast with people you know and love. Every bit will help us grow our circle. Once again, thank you so much. We love you. And until the next episode, trust your power and light within. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, 